0: good morning all and welcome to a fresh episode on the IMA get wise show a podcast which people look forward to eagerly leave with snippets of wisdom today's podcast discussion is going to be very interesting as we have a panel comprising of interesting personalities in fact These people have become eminent experts in the field of persuasion and influence after they combinedly decided to do their group project focusing on this module. Why a podcast, you might ask? Well, according to these experts, nothing in life should be just simple. No, 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 no. Plain simple doesn't align with whatever they're doing in their lives right now. Their lives are mired in a web of complexity and they just wanted this web to be woven even more strong. Just to remind all our viewers, these experts have a lot of expertise in this field. Wondering where and how did they get this expertise? When I asked them, they gave me a very simple answer. They attended one lecture on this topic during management communication class. Persuasion and influence. So can any of the assembled experts here please care to enlighten this meek soul, the difference between the two? Please drop your hands. Vibhor, every professor's favorite student, you
1: So, thank you, Avinash. Just like every class, I'm going to speak again. So, influence is just about having a, a vision of optimum outcomes for a situation. And uh, the basic difference between persuasion and influence is that persuasion is always intentional, mostly explicit. On the other hand, uh, influence is based on power, status, reputation or resources. So, yeah, this is the basic difference between the two.
0: Very typical Vibhor, right? Didn't understand it, think of what he said. Remember the word that ought not to be uttered, complexity. And that's what Vibhor defined for us. That was indeed a very complex introduction to this topic. And this makes my job as a host even more complex. But persuasion is indeed a very complex topic. That's why there is so much being written about it. Okay, wait, that's true for leadership too. And all the self-help books that are out there, which promise to make you a great leader within 30 days. Just like like leadership is not everyone's cup of tea, so is persuasion. So without wasting much time, let's dive straight into this deep sea, drown ourselves in the knowledge that's going to be disseminated, and then decide for ourselves whether we want to come back up alive or not. Our experts, being experts of course, have chosen a very novel way of breaking down the complexity of this topic. They have chosen this method because they staunchly believe in the old adage that a great communicator's worth is measured by how even the lamest of laymen can understand what you have to say. That adage was of course created by me and the lamest of laymen in today's podcast is again me. How many of you here have watched The Wolf of Wall Street? Well, everyone here, right? Each of the experts here has tried hard to don the hat of Sherlock Holmes observing closely, dissecting every scene, observing minutely every dialogue into microscopic pieces to help unearth the chief principles that lie behind the art of persuasion. Poor souls, they have dedicated themselves to watching the movie at least three times, just one week before second term, end term exams, knowing very well that the deadline for the project is on 20th September, three days after the exam is over. With the possibility of an extension in the deadline as well. Their efforts therefore deserve a huge round of applause. Okay, Disclaimer before we officially begin. We we chose this movie over all others only because Nandini was swooning over DiCaprio and a few others in the group wanted a reason to watch the movie once again for their own special reasons. After listening to the podcast, I hope that whatever little respect you had for the movie will not evaporate. So let's officially start. We always look up to our role models, mentors to help guide us in whatever choices we make. Whether it be Mark Zuckerberg, who is hailed for wasting little cogn- cognitive effort in choosing whatever he has to wear, or Ankur Wariku, who is a YouTube inspiration to so many. Okay, not so many. Okay, very little. I can see some of your reactions here. Good that this is not a video recording. Or Dinchak Puja. Oh, you haven't heard of her? Google her after this podcast. Role models exert immense amount of influence in certain aspects of their life. How do they accomplish this? Let's hear this from our expert, Gaurav. Gaurav, do you have a role model?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Can you please care to elaborate why and how did you choose this role model?
2: Okay, there are many, but if I would have to pinpoint on someone, then I would say it was Nelson Mandela.
0: Okay. And
2: yeah. why, why did you decide that Nelson Mandela would be your role model? I mean, given the history of South Africa, a history of two thousand two hundred 200 years of apartheid, he became the first black president in the South Africa and the way he united the country, the blacks and whites using different tools, using sports or using different festivals or the community celebrations. I mean, I feel he's a leader worth following. Okay. We are getting a little serious
0: here, so let's let's in fact digress into uh, our main topic, which was uh, dissecting the movie um, Wolf of Wall Street. No.
3: <laughs> Number one rule of Wall Street: nobody. I don't care if you're Warren Buffett or if you're Jimmy Buffett. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in fucking circles. Least of all stockbrokers. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all a fugazi. You know what a fugazi is? No. Fugazi, it's a uh, fake. Yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a f- fairy dust. It doesn't exist. It's never landed. It is no matter. It's not on the elemental chart. It, it's not fucking real, <laughs> right? All right. right. <laughs> Stay with me. Mm-hmm. We don't create shit. We don't build anything. No. So if you got a client <clears throat> who bought stock at eight and now sits at 16 and he's all fucking happy he wants to cash in liquidate take his fucking money and run home you don't let him do that okay because that would make it real right now what do you do you get another brilliant idea a special idea another situation another stock to reinvest yeah. so gaurav uh, what did
0: jordan Belfort's boss particularly do that uh, Belfort was emotionally moved uh, to remind our viewers, Jordan Belfort is a character played by Leonardo DiCaprio.
2: Yeah. So, it was during this scene that uh, when, it was, uh, when Jordan Belfort joined his first job at the Wall Street, he was trying to create this repo with his boss. And uh, his boss has drawn personal powers from his expertise and stellar track record on Wall Street. And that's what made Jordan Belfort to listen to him. Uh, The fact that made the scene more interesting for me was the the character of Jordan Belfort's boss that was played by Matthew McConaughey. This character was simply the embodiment and representation of future Leo in this movie. Such was the effect of this interaction that Jordan Belfort's personality went on to become the complete opposite of what it was in this scene. Like he entered into the Wall Street as a married family man with no drug addiction, and an ambition to succeed through hard work. Here you can see the way he described his wife. That uh, when he asked that if do you have a girlfriend? No, I have a wife. Her name's Teresa. She cuts hair. He was trying to create the repo that I'm here to talk about money. And from there, the boss deduced what Jordan Belfort want to listen here. Yeah. So he first tried to induce this fear of missing out in Belfort by telling the waiter okay it's his first day at the job and that's what uh, made Leo to that's what made Jordan Belfort to realize that he may be missing out on a few things here so he started listening more carefully to him and uh, if I were to pinpoint the persuasion skills displayed by the boss first he knew his prey and he knew the requirement of his prey so The way boss commented to the waiter and later on the way he told to Jordan that you have a long way to go here. So, you can really tell Belfort was trying to absorb all the overwhelming uh, knowledge that he was getting or the stuff that he was getting and he was trying to reconcile the fact that he badly wants it. Maybe he he doesn't like the way one can achieve these things but still he wants it. He doesn't show it and then even in the end observing his facial expressions, you feel him that he is somehow accepting his way of life. This is a crucial scene for the movie for me because it underlines the values Jordan takes to become the most successful stockbroker for the rest of the movie. Okay. So, um,
0: thank you for uh, alluding to the concept of FOMO, which is what we are going to discuss next. But what you are essentially saying is the boss used his position of authority and also the expertise that he had built over years Uh, expertise in the stock market world basically means you get rich regardless of whether your clients get rich or poor. So, the boss used his expertise that he had built to bring conviction to whatever he had to say and make it appear genuine.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: Let's let's move on to Nandini now, the chief mastermind behind choosing this movie for our podcast. Uh, FOMO is something that we have experienced always in our lives. Uh, FOMO has reached new heights after joining IMA. A few of my friends are going for Garba dance sessions and every time they come back and tell me how exhilarating the sessions were, most of the times they are exaggerating. Uh, they only do this to see, see the expression of despair in our faces. Uh, I am attacked by a pang of uh, FOMO. So, Nandini, have you been um, you know, ridden with uh, this pang of FOMO after you joined IMA?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, my fir- my brief one-year stint with UPSC preparation, born completely out of the fear of missing out on what seems to be an extremely glorified career path for Indians, uh, that would be a very serious example of FOMO in my life. I think millions of parents and students are starry-eyed about this career field. In this day and age of digital media, there's a lot of pressure of hearsay. A more pragmatic approach is now the need of the art.
0: Okay. So let's get on to what needs to be done at a later point in
5: time. Let's come back to the movie per se. on penny stocks that had huge upside potential with very little downside risk. Does that ring a bell? yeah, I may have Okay, great. Well, reason for the call today, John is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last 6 months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. You got a minute? Name of the company, Aerotyne International. It is a cutting-edge, high-tech firm out of the Midwest, awaiting imminent patent approval on a next generation of radar detectors that have both huge military and civilian applications. Now, right now, John, the stock trades over the counter at 10 cents a share. And by the way, John, our analyst indicator could go a heck of a lot higher than that. Your profit on a mere $6,000 investment would be upwards of $60,000. Exactly, you could pay off your mortgage. stock will pay my house. John, one thing I can promise you, even in this market, is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. So how did Jordan Belfort go about using this technique
0: uh, to convince his clients in buying stocks that were, on paper, worthless? First of all... Uh...
4: I'm going to thank all of my group members to allow that we choose this topic because I spent three hours swooning over uh, DiCaprio. So that was an excellent experience. Um, Coming back to the question, absolutely fantastic movie and every scene is scintillating in itself. This particular scene though, it perhaps was where the character of Jordan Belfort really started to kick off in all of its glory. It's a five-part pitch essentially. So he starts with an introduction that basically ends with asking for one minute, just one minute for delivering his presentation, followed by a short story about the company. And then the presentation, uh, which speaks about what is in it for John, the customer. And the element of greed is invoked here uh, by dangling the $60,000 carrot, following by closing and rehashing, which is essentially upselling after you've closed the deal. The beginning was very risky, but classic introduction. I, for one, felt that this was a pure cold call. John never really sent in the postcard. As I reflect back, Jordan used the four principles of persuasion here. Establishing credibility when he brought in the view of the analysts. Connected emotionally when he shared the mortgage payment relief feeling. Evoked authority when he said that my secretary will get back to you. And of course, greed, uh, where he b- uh, brings out the multiplier effect and quotes the 60,000 number very clearly. Um, all this is a very classical way to persuade, uh, wherein basically the speaker is latching on to universally true facts to gain trust and then throws in sprinkles of breadcrumbs to lead your target right where you want them to so this was his methodology of persuasion
0: nandini an honest uh, opinion from my side you in fact stole some of whatever the others had to say so that that wasn't fair but but i feel i feel what you are trying to say is uh, he used his authority and credibility uh, in order to get his clients to buy the stocks that he felt uh, would make him rich right right okay we spoke less about FOMO here sorry for that uh, audience uh, let's bring Rajesh in now. Um, but before, before we, we start discussing with him, uh, I have something to say, uh, rather something to ask. Are you swayed after reading powerful thoughts for the day? What if I say that more than 50% of those sayings were actually not said by the person who's quoted to have said it? Take this for example. You do not really understand something unless you can explain it to your grandmother, By Albert Einstein. You know who said this? No. The who doesn't matter, but it was not Albert Einstein. (laughs) But the moment you use his name, there is so much more weight to what one has to say, right? Uh, So it's credibility built by people such as Albert Einstein that makes them and people using their names powerful influencers. So bringing Rajesh in now.
5: That's why not. I mean, what person with a college education would trust this bunch of I jerk-offs?
3: Phone, tell me you're calling back. I got five fucking grand on the phone right now. Hey!
5: But what if they didn't sound like a bunch of jerk-offs? What if I could teach them how to sell to people with money? Real money. So I decided to reinvent the company. Gentlemen, welcome to Stratton Oakmont. You schnooks will now be targeting the wealthiest 1% of America.
0: How did Jordan Belfort, in fact, go about building this credibility and how did he use this effectively in his profession? Great. Uh, So,
6: Avinash, uh, before I move into answering your question, I have a small question. So, when you are going to a BMW showroom and uh, you see a salesperson wearing shorts, probably shabby dress and starts talking to you about the car, trying to sell it, would you be interested in it?
0: The car, you mean, right?
6: Yeah, of uh, course. Not uh, the person. Uh,
0: yes, yes. Because uh, the person is wearing shabby dresses. So I would be more interested in the car. Uh,
6: of course. But then would you be willing to buy if the person is selling you outside the showroom? Uh, no. Right. So what changed? The appearance?
0: Of the person? No. I, uh, it was the fact that I was present in the showroom itself. So that lent credibility.
6: Correct. So, coming back to your question, so Jordan Belfort, he lived what he want to build. So, when you look at him in the movie, the way he dresses, the way he hairs, the way he talks to people, it comes out as if he's a very high standard professional. So, when you see this particular scene, when the idea of making Stratton Oakmont, the name, Wow, doesn't it sound so cool? Very fancy. Very, Very fancy, fancy, right? So, just by the use of this name, one would feel this company must be legit. So, when he thinks of for the first time of this company, the only thing he says is that, give me few hungry people who want to make money and I'll make them money.
0: The company is not legit?
6: The company was not yet born. Okay. But the idea was, So what he does, he convinces these people who are people of low order salesmen, not even educated except for one person who is a lawyer. With these bunch of folks, he gets into the market. He labels Stratton Oakmont. Right. By naming a company with a fancy name doesn't get you the value you need. Correct. Correct. It could be appearance that could bring value, but then Despite having great appearance, say if you are not able to project yourself professionally, would it work? No. Agreed, right? So Stratton Oakmont, as it sounds so professional, should also have a professional voice. So whenever he talks to customers, he uses words, very powerful words. He says words like, let me call my analyst. And he uses numbers. Give me this. I'll give you back this much. So he says, give me 40 million euros, I'll get back to you 80 million euros. So he brings that credibility to the listener. He makes them feel comfortable, confident. So he has this attitude of using, say, words like Aerotime International, a high-tech, cutting-edge company. When you hear such kinds of words, you feel confident about the firm, right? Isn't it? Right. So he makes the listeners feel comfortable. Once you're comfortable he starts feeding good blue chip stocks. So, once you are up with this blue chip stock, you you have this trust over the Stratton Oakmont. Once the trust is built, then you start selling penny stocks.
0: Okay. So, the way you just spoke to me, I feel like investing in that company right now.
6: Exactly, right? So, that's what what the main protagonist did for this movie. Okay. Thank you, Avinash. That was a wonderful conversation.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Rajesh. So, essentially, essentially he chose his target segment wisely, which comprised of people who were gullible. He used his expertise in order to influence them, gave them very little time to decide as such, and used his credibility to drive home uh, business. Uh, Wonderful technique of uh, persuading people and getting rich. Uh, Moving on to a slightly different theme now we need, uh, We tend to do things because others have done it before and tasted success. Remember the Sharmaji ka beta comparison which our parents considered to be the amrit within persuasion skills during, the sco- during our school days? Go back to your 10th and 12th standard class. Uh, or, or let's go back uh, in time just before our COVID days. New season of Game of Thrones is out. It's all there in your social media feeds, in your WhatsApp forwards, in your coffee and lunch table conversations, you're surrounded by it. You feel you are being ostracized because you are the only one who has not watched it and you are not able to contribute in any conversation. What do you do? You succumb to social pressure, open a Netflix account, though it is damn expensive, so a cheap bugger like me would download it from torrent using a proxy and then binge watch Game of Thrones on a weekend. So Chagresh, tell me, have you experienced... Peer pressure before.
5: Do you dream of becoming financially independent but struggle every month just to pay your bills? Would you like to own a home like this one but can barely afford to pay your rent? My name is Jordan Belfort, and there is no secret to wealth creation. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, you too can become financially independent in just a matter of months. All you need is a strategy. When I was 24 years old, I made a decision, not just to survive, but to thrive. At first I didn't feel like deals like these were possible, but we have the house and we have a $33,000 profit. I certainly believe now. Think about it for a second. If you don't have the guts to attend Jordan Belfort's Straight Line Persuasion System seminar, then how do you expect to make any money? If you want to be a millionaire someday, have some guts, make a decision. Jordan Belfort said it worked for me because I worked hard for it. And if it doesn't work for you, It's because you're lazy and you should get a job at McDonald's. There's nobody holding you back from financial freedom, and there's nobody stopping you from making millions. Don't just sit at home, or the life of your dreams will sail right past
7: you. Have you you yielded to it before? Uh, First of all, thank you, Binash, for having me here. I always wanted to do something great with my life, and you gave me the chance. So, I have better answer to your question. Uh... Avinash, we have seen like before uh, Nandini and uh, Vibhor and uh, Rajesh told us how this guy Jordan was swindling money out of greedy people, right? And to appeal to greedy side is easy. And second thing, whenever Jordan was talking to them, Jordan was trying to tailor his response as per the situation. But later on in his career, Jordan switched to become a motivational speaker and to persuade people to come to your seminars to an advertisement is much more difficult. So what I want to do before answering your question is to try to dissect the persuasion techniques Jordan used for the motivational speaking uh, seminars. Fair
0: enough.
7: So, uh, first thing, uh, Jordan always tried to phrase a statement as a question. Okay, so this tonality taps into people's ness. It makes them it's especially useful when you are introducing yourself and creating a wrap-up for your product. So we have seen the example. Jordan started like, uh, "Do you want to be a millionaire? Do you want to rich? Do you want to pay for your, uh, let's say, your uh, mortgage?" No one will say no to these questions. So when you agreeing with the questions, you are agreeing to the product. Okay. Second thing, using mystery and intrigue to justify your sale of which. So there, he was not using the words like because, so. He was not trying to reason. He was creating a mystery. And to justify that mystery, he bought in some people who said that they got benefited by the products. Okay. So Jordan helped me to pay my mortgage. Jordan helped me to make me... Jordan made me a millionaire.
0: Okay, this is what we see happening in Napthol, right? Regularly.
7: Exactly. You... exactly. The same page. Right. So this is something that creates... A peer pressure. If you are seeing someone getting successful, if you are seeing your peers getting successful, you will try to use that soft, uh, that product or you will try to use that person to get that success. Later on, Jordan, like uh, who is more successful than a successful person? The guy who's always on the move. So in the advertisement, whenever Jordan is speaking, he's always on the move whether he was traveling from a helicopter or a car or a motorboat. So people try to uh, connect high network people with the time crunch. And by showing that he's always on the move and he's trying to speak to you while he's doing something else, people try to give him a credibility. Okay. So these these were the three points that Jordan used, which were different from the what he was doing before. Okay. Ultimate goal was also the money, of course. Okay. Uh, thank you, Chakresh. Uh,
0: you, in fact, saved some time of mine because there was a question dedicated to you, but you already answered it before time. That's not typical Chakresh, by the way. Okay, let's move on to our next expert here, Riddish, who has uh, joined us right now.
5: Let me tell you something. There is no nobility in poverty. I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every fucking time. Because yeah! 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 at least as a rich man, when I have to face my problems, I show up in the back of a limo wearing a $2,000 suit and a $40,000 gold fucking watch. Oh! Hey, boys, Get it out! Hit him! Get the fuck out of me! You. Yeah! Now, if anyone here thinks I'm superficial or materialistic, go get a job and. F- um,
0: let's take a slightly different trajectory. Uh, many of us after spending four months in ima have already begun to question one of the most important questions uh, we have taken recently why are we here for an mba the question never ceases to amaze me of late we have been made to realize that peacock feathers fits the bill so what do you think karish why are you here to do an mba
8: Getting straight to the point I see. Avinash, if I really wanted to learn something new, as most others say, wouldn't I have simply paid for an online course or two? Let's not kid ourselves. It's finally about the money.
0: Uh, Well, you are right there, uh, Ridesh. I think most of us are... Okay. No. All of us are here uh, for that, definitely. Uh, So, you are alluding to greed here. And this can be exploited by some people to get their way. Uh, how did Jordan Belfort in the movie accomplish this?
8: Okay, so there's a wonderful scene in the movie where Jordan plays out a textbook example in the art of persuasion. Steve Madden is a rising star in the shoe business who is absolutely making a killing. Steve Madden's IPO presented Staten Oakmont a great business opportunity and would help them move to the big leagues rather than simply selling penny stocks. No one took Steve seriously, however, they just saw him as a shoemaker. And they were jokingly throwing things at him. Jordan stepped up and tried to make amends. He compared Steve to Armani, Chanel and Versace as a generation talent and a creative genius who doesn't just follow trends but creates them. He got them all excited about Steve and his products. At the end of the day, Avinash, companies need to get their work done. There's a standard way of operating where a manager simply assigns tasks to his or her subordinates. In sensitive or critical situations, however, this might not yield results as per expectations. Great leaders, however, do go a step further and Jordan Belfort gives a beautiful lesson in persuasion and motivation to get his bidding done. Employees at Staten Oak Point are driven by greed. They are young, energetic and hungry. After having hyped them up, Jordan moved on to feed their primary insecurities to get them on board so that they go over and above what is required of them. He starts off by saying, and I quote, There is no nobility in poverty. He spoke at length about how he's been both rich and poor and how he prefers to be rich every single time. He paints a picture for all to see when he narrates how he would rather sit at the back of a limousine wearing a pricey tailored suit and an expensive watch when he's sad than not having the option to do so. He riles them up by saying that if he came across as greedy, they should head over to the McDonald's across the street and get a job there. He pumps them up by playing up by how much of a star each one of them is. Absolute killers when it comes to closing deals. Using their telephones, they make the impossible happen. He fed their ego, stoked their vulnerabilities to make them his foot Steve Madden's company going public through Staten Oakmont gave them the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of one-upping their colleagues and having better positions. Leaders such as Jordan, Jordan Belfort know that to get people to do things for him, he needs to give them something first. Before all the traders would go all-in to sell Steve Madden stocks, he needed to convince that it was in their interest first and foremost to do so, rather than simply being yet another work assignment. Harish, you have beautifully
0: explained this. I don't think I will have to elaborate anything more on the concept of on the concept of greed and how Jordan Belfort in fact effectively used it probably we can use it uh, in our future roles as uh, managers as well. Uh, Let's bring in our next expert Vibhor. Uh, Vibhor so just like non-verbal communication constitutes almost uh, 70% of a standard communication piece there are some non-verbal practices that can help us become better influencers. All great leaders such as Abraham Lincoln, M.K. Gandhi, uh, Anil Kapoor in Nayak, Captain America in Avengers have used this cleverly to influence their followers. Sherlock Holmes looked for these cues minutely to crack some of the deadliest crime cases he encountered. So, Vibhor, who's every professor's favorite and who's ready to don the hat of Sherlock Holmes for us today, how important are these aspects of influence?
5: Kimmy was one of the first brokers here, one of Stratton's original 20. Now, most of you met Kimmy, the beautiful, sophisticated woman that she is today. A woman that wears $3,000 Armani suits, (laughs) drives a brand-new Mercedes-Benz. A woman who who spends her, her winters in the Bahamas and her summers in the Hamptons. It's not the Kimmy that I met. The Kimmy that I met didn't have two nickels to rub together. She was a single mom on the balls of her ass with an eight-year-old son, okay? She was three months behind on her rent. And when she came to me and asked me for a job, she asked for a 5000 dollars advance just
1: hi thank you avinash i guess the diversity of people that you included in your question is more than the diversity i am amdad has so great great so i'll i'll start with explaining us uh, starting with a, a small paragraph about about narrating the story from the from the movie so the jordan uh, jordan speech here starts with a short story about an employee and uh, it it, ha- it it is about praising her about how she did and how high standard she has and in the middle uh, in the middle of the story, he just changed the narrative from, from the day he first met her. And she just asked uh, Jordan for $5,000. And in turn, uh, he believed in her and gave her $25,000. So, the, the moment he said this, the lady started crying and she had tears in her eyes. So, Avinash, just out of this uh, narration, can you feel the emotions in the eyes of the women?
0: Yeah, I can see tears welling up
1: in my eyes as well. Yeah, right, right. See, see this is the power of the emotion that, that the emotion can de- dwell in the leaders. So so th- this is the kind of thing uh, ancillary things that I'm talking about apart from just motivation and things. So the sentiment was developed in the employees and the employees were also crying. This was the first time that even I also cried watching a movie because, because of, of getting so much so much attached to that uh, single mom raising the child and and leaders can use multiple such things. So so I'll, I'll now talk about certain secondary aspects of of this, uh, of this conversation. So the tone and the voice modulation are the two things that I particularly want to focus about. So these two things are, are quite uh, efficiently used by, uh, by all the great leaders in, uh, in persuasion. So in this particular example that I'm talking about, the Jordan started with a rigid voice and went to an emotional tone and ended on a high confidence and an ex- exhilarating note. So this is a kind of a, of a, of a horse. So you start with a low thing, went up, and then you again come down, connect with the people, connect with each and every of the employee. So now we are going to just dissect this. What happened actually is, is that there are four steps that is being used. So the first step is credibility. The credibility is built through the story and, and the expertise and the relationship. Now, after just building the credibility, uh, they went on for the second point, which is the frame of common ground. They, had, they shared a common ground because everyone didn't have money before joining the company and post joining the company, everyone had money, a lot, a, a truckload of money. And then on the third part, everyone was able to connect emotionally through the story. Even we as the audience were connected emotionally. And finally, on the fourth front, uh, it was to provide the evidence. So how did they provide the evidence? By narrating a real life story in front of the actual person who who went in tears and everyone and this clip ends with everyone praising Jordan and how much they love Jordan. So these are the secondary aspects of of, uh, persuasion and influence that I was talking about, uh, about how these things are able to impact others.
0: Uh, Thank you, uh, Vibor, for giving a gist of uh, some of the secondary aspects of uh, persuasion that we need to be vigilant about. Uh, I think it's very important for leaders to, in fact, display empathy and also connect to their audience emotionally if they are to uh, influence their followers in order to get their work done. Uh, let's uh, move on to our next expert here, Pranav. Hi. He,
3: he hey. How are you doing? Good. Good. I mean, you clean the fishbowl? I, I just, I had a minute. I... You
8: had a minute. And today you needed to clean the fishbowl today?
3: I finished
6: my paperwork, and I was so just had a couple minutes.
8: Okay,
5: nice
6: to meet you. A new issue day.
0: Uh, Since we are nearing the end of the podcast, it's important for us to be aware of some of the pitfalls as well. Till now, we have spoken extensively about what could be done, what should be done. Now, let's bring in our expert Pranav to discuss about what are some of the mechanisms one should try to avoid uh, in certain situations. So, over to you Pranav.
3: Thank
9: you Avinash for having me on the podcast and uh, making me feel like Like an an important person. person. So, let us talk about Donny now. So, Donny as of, uh, despite being the obvious number two at Staten Oakmont, he clearly did not possess the charisma or the persuasion skills that are required for subordinates to take him seriously. The fact that he was stoned most of the time and that he generally made a caricature out of himself even in the most serious of situations further aggravated his credibility as a potential leader at Stratton Oakmont. More often than not, his messages to his colleagues were high on melodrama and low on actual content. So take for instance the scene where Donnie is dropping off a briefcase full of cash that Brad was supposed to pick up. In spite of knowing very well that Brad does not respect him, Donnie started off by humiliating Brad, launching personal attacks rather than focus on a specific objective related to the task at hand. The condescension that he held for Brad was so strong that he never really bothered to analyze Brad's strengths and weaknesses with respect to carrying out the task. There was no consideration whatsoever for Brad's core values and what followed was a highly disrespectful conversation that offended Brad to the point where he launches a physical attack on Donnie, ending up arrested in the process. Another instance where Donnie failed as a leader was when he reprimanded a junior employee for cleaning out his fishbowl on new issue day. Rather than instil the sense of urgency of the situation in the mind of the employee, he humiliates him by climbing upon a table and swallowing the fish in front of the whole office. Such behaviour, while impactful and scary in the moment, signals utter disrespect for subordinates, who will, in due course of time, become disillusioned with such toxic forms of leadership. So, Pranav, what you are essentially saying is being
0: disrespectful and insulting for a leader is a clear no-no. However, you spoke about uh, reprimanding or instill- instilling a sense of fear. Is that always a bad thing? We have always you know, been disciplined at different points uh, of time in our lives by our parents and school teachers during our childhood days, our bosses at work, and uh, as you know, our wives are uh, better half since we have had one. What's, what's your take on this?
9: So, I the thing with using scare tactics to get the job done in a corporate setting is that most people do not respond to such forms of leadership. Subordinates generally take offense and do a mediocre job in the end. So, in the long run, it ends up being counterproductive. Having said that, the only exception to this norm that I can think of is when your boss is your wife or your girlfriend. In that case, do you really think you or I have a choice?
0: Okay, I think that was a rhetorical question. Um, It has, in fact, been a long conversation. I have lost track of time. Uh, We only have to stop this because our project evaluation is only for 25%. Our experts have beautifully outlined some of the techniques that can be used to persuade and influence people. I only wish our experts to remember some of these techniques a few months from now when they go on to lead global firms. Yes, we have trust in our placement team. Uh, I would like all uh, the listeners to read to, to read, uh, Robert uh, Cialdini's book, Influence, Psychology of Persuasion. I happen to read this book only because my office handed this out to every employee free. Uh, to reiterate some of the most popular principles, reciprocity, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. If you go out of your way to hand out a favor to someone, then that someone will always feel morally obligated to return the favor. If that person doesn't feel that obligation, it's your duty to remind him. Second, consistency. People who work hard are assigned even more work because managers are clever and know how to get work done, right? So as future managers, it's your duty to decipher such people during the initial few months. Third, authority. Authority. Most popular method used to drive decision-making in several organizations. I need not uh, elaborate on that. Fourth, liking. We are likely to listen to those people whom we like, no matter how stupid their arguments are. Uh, Fifth, social proof. Uh, This is nothing but uh, herd mentality. If a herd of sheep decides to jump over an imaginary obstacle, then you being a sheep in that herd are likely to do the same. And last one, scarcity. Go back to 101 of microeconomics. Demand for anything shoots up tremendously high when the supply is restricted. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, experts, for taking your time off in order to spend a beautiful morning here discussing about uh, influence and persuasion. Um, this, this was Cindy B7's lighthearted but honest attempt at unearthing some of the principles. I hope uh, there is something that we can always uh, take away from this. Thank you so much.